All right, good morning. We had some technical difficulties this morning. Somebody thought it was funny to play with the volume buttons back there on the the controls and about blast everybody out. I was going to let y'all know that um, Cody is home. Um, he came home Friday. My nephew Cody came home Friday. Uh, everything went well with his surgery. Um, he's going to be in a, a a cast from his hip down to his ankles for six weeks. So he'll be it's red, and Lynn, my sister, sent me a picture yesterday of him. He's sprawled out on the couch, and the dog sitting right between his legs, and he's going to be like that for another six weeks. So um, everything went well. They said it was a successful surgery. So uh, appreciate everybody praying and and uh, and asking about him and how everything went there. Um, and only one other thing, we're still going to be taking up some clothes for uh, the for Cannon Hospital for uh, the behavioral health. So we'll try to take those up this whole month. If you've got anything you can give, we'll just put it out there in the fellowship hall, and we'll take it over to Cannon towards the end of the month. Yes. Next Sunday? Okay. We're going to have breakfast next Sunday. So no Sunday school? Okay. Breakfast at 9 or at 10? 9, and then preach at 10? Okay. It's biblical, folks. Gravy is biblical. Keith taught on it all morning about sopping it up and that's that's biblical so you know i wouldn't worry unless you know conley sopped it up and fed me then i would be really worried <laughs> you just have to you have to read that lesson it was a really good lesson this morning makes you think but uh so all right so we'll do breakfast next uh sunday what do i need to say about that who's bringing what there's everything provided okay all right just come hungry all right we're gonna we're going to switch it up. I'm not going to be over in First Peter chapter 1 today. Sorry. We're going to be chapter 2. <laughs> so we'll still be in First Peter, but we're going over chapter 2. Um, this one is, uh, we're going to look at growth. That's, uh, what have we seen? What have you, what have you seen the past couple weeks, Nat? What have you seen coming up out of the ground? Weeds. Weeds. <laughs> it's growing. <laughs> I was looking for Easter lilies, but weeds will work too. Growth. That's that's the one thing that we see right now going on. Um, with the exception of what took place yesterday with the snow and the cold this morning. We're seeing things popping up out of the ground, whether it's weeds or we see Easter lilies popping up. We see growth. We also need to be seeing spiritual growth in ourselves. That's something that we we don't. We don't work on enough is our spiritual growth and, and nurturing ourselves and letting God, allowing God to nurture us and grow us the way he's supposed to. Uh, my little, that little nerdy book I've got with all the, the fun stories in it, there was one in there about, about spiritual growth. It was actually really good. It says, uh, one night a mother had fixed a special meal for her family, turkey with mashed potatoes and gravy, corn, green beans, cranberry sauce, and apple pie for dessert. Uh, that sounds like Thanksgiving. Says it was everyone's favorite meal, especially when it came at a time other than Thanksgiving. The smell filled the house, and as the children came in from playing, they could hardly wait for supper to begin. The last child appeared only a few minutes before dinner time and sat through the meal without eating anything, even though he especially loved those foods. Why? Because he had filled up on peanut butter at his friend's house. In settling for something good, he had lost his appetite for the best. 
Think about that. He settled for something good, and he lost out on the best. The same appetite, or the same applies for us spiritually. We tend to settle for the worldly things instead of the best thing, the godly things. The worldly things we think are good. It's the godly things that are great. So don't settle for peanut butter when you can have turkey and gravy. That's, that's the moral of that story right there. Hold out. Let God supply you. Let God feed you spiritually. Feed that appetite. We ought to be hungry. Every one of us ought to come in, especially on a Sunday morning. We should be coming in hungry. Whatever we got last Sunday has absolutely worn off. We need Spiritually, we need to be fed. And we need to be fed often. Uh, and I will say this. You need to feed yourself. Don't just wait on Sunday mornings. Don't wait on Wednesday nights. Feed yourself. Right now, I, I may make reference to Clayton quite often today because... He has given me a lot of thought this week as I've prepared for this because of being fed. He has started eating vegetables and, and uh, fruits right now. He's doing the baby stuff, stage one stuff. And it's fun, ain't it? Sit there and watch him, but he can't feed himself. He tries, but he can't feed himself. He has to be fed. For him to grow, we have to feed him. He can't hold his bottle. He can't make his formula. We have to do that for him, to feed him, to nurture him, to nourish him so that he will grow. Folks, we're in the same boat. We might not be babies physically, but we are still growing in the Lord. We still need to be fed. We've got to allow the Word of God, the milk here, to feed us. We've got to allow God as our Father to feed us because we will not grow. We will get stunted if we depend on ourselves. If Clayton depended on himself to feed himself, he wouldn't get anything. Actually, me and Maria would probably be put in jail for that, honestly, because that's neglect. That's what earthly parents tend to do sometimes is neglect their kids. Our Heavenly Father would not neglect us, and He has given us every opportunity to be fed. Every morning you get up and you read your devotion or you pray, or throughout the day you might read Scripture, something like that, you're feeding yourself, you're being able to feed and grow in the Word. Now, there was something that I've been reading about this week that I have not talked about probably ever. I don't think I've ever preached on this. And it's something that's kind of new, I guess, to the church or at least to preachers. And it's, they call it a huge threat to our spiritual growth, and it's called uh, spiritual fatalism. I hadn't done a lot of in-depth study on it, but I want to define what spiritual fatalism is for you because I think a lot of people are starting to see that right now. This is the belief or feeling that you are stuck with the way you are, and this is all you will ever experience of God. What this means is that you feel stuck because you don't have a kind of spiritual desire that you should. It means that you almost feel like you're falling away. You've been separated from God. Now, that's a, again, it's a feeling. Not that it's happening. It's just a feeling that you might have because you don't feel like you're growing spiritually. If you're not growing spiritually, I will promise you this. It's not God's fault. God gives us ample opportunity on a daily basis to be fed. If you have a Bible in your house, if you have a Bible on your phone, you can get fed spiritually. It does not take coming in here on a Sunday morning or coming up here on a Wednesday night to be fed. It is your fault if you're starving. It is your fault if you're starving. What, is, what Clayton, when he gets hungry, what's he do? He cries. These youngs over here, what do they do when they get hungry? They're starting talking now. They'll tell you they're hungry, don't they? Or go raid the pantry. It's your fault if you're not fed. 
because it is there. I trust me, it is there. For a Christian, there's some things we can do to make sure that we have spiritual growth. Again, we've got devotions that we can read. We've got the scripture that we can read. We can sing. You can turn on your radio and sing right along, but you can get fed. But Peter's going to tell us a couple things this morning, about three things here, that we need to do to help us grow spiritually. There's a lot that we can do, but we need some guidance when it comes to growing spiritually. If you've got your Bibles, turn over to 1 Peter, or, yeah, 1 Peter chapter 2. Stand with me just a moment. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you. Thank you for the word. Lord, we thank you for the nourishment that you provide for us daily. We thank you for all that you have given us to sustain us, Lord, as you have sustained the birds in the air and the fish in the sea and the beast on the field. Father, I thank you for sustaining us here with your word. God, I pray today that we would do just that, that we would get a belly full of what you have to offer for us. Lord, I pray that you would remind us through your word this morning just how good you are to us and what you can do for us and what you have done for us and how you're going to continue to feed us through your word and by your people as well. Lord, I pray that today we do that, that we would nourish and nurture each other as we read the word, as we preach this morning. God, I pray that you would just uh, touch our hearts and, Lord, just open up our eyes to let us see what you have in store for us. Lord, I pray that you would um, shine some light on the things of this life here that we have that you provided for us to continue to feed, feed us and nourish us. Lord, we do pray for those today that are sick. We have uh, several here with a stomach bug. I pray that you would touch them, be with them. Lord, just to get, them, get them healthy. Uh, Lord, there's been several that's passed away. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the Hicks family today as uh, Miss Tammy's passed. Lord, she's in your presence right now, and I pray that you'd be with that family and comfort them. And God, I pray that uh, you would just continue to, Lord, just uh, show yourself, reveal yourself to this world that we live in right now, to this country, this community, this county, this church. Lord, I pray that you continue to be seen in everything that we do. Lord, I pray that folks would see you in everything that we do. Lord, we love you and we praise you this morning. I'll listen to your son's name, we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. To grow spiritually, we've got to let go of the old way of life. That's the first thing we'll look at. We've got to let go. Just let it go. <clears throat> Don't need anybody singing that this morning, Kristen. No, no frozen this morning. Okay. <laughs> we've got to let it go. There was nothing good about our old ways. I don't even like to think about the way it was. Most of us don't want to think about the way we was before we were saved. That's not a good thing. That's not a good way that we was because mainly we didn't have Jesus. I don't want to think about how life would have been without Jesus. But we've got to let go of that past, let go of our old ways. Verse 1 tells us that again. I'm going to read it. It says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, this verse clearly defines the attitude of the unbeliever. All those things that he's talking about right here are things that are in the non-Christian, the person that has not put his life in Jesus Christ, has not given uh, his life over Jesus. Malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, and evil speakings. Those are not things of a Christian. 
Those things right there are not of God. Those things right there should not be in us as a Christian. Those are not godly. For Christians to experience all that we're intended to, to, there are things that we need to repent and get rid of. If you have malice or guile or evil speaking, if you have any of that in your life right now, the Bible's telling us, God is telling us right now that we are to repent and get rid of it. Get it out of your system. It is tainting your body right now. It is a cancer in you right now. Get it out. Give it to Jesus. Let him heal you. Let him replace all of that with things of the Spirit. But get it out. Because you cannot grow. You cannot be an effective witness of Jesus Christ if you have these things. Again, malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, evil speakings. If you have any of that in you right now, you are not a witness. You're not a witness to God. You're not a witness for Jesus. You are not a witness for this church, for the church. You're not a witness for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You are not what you need to be. So get it out. This verse begins with the words, Wherefore, verse 1 right there says, wherefore laying aside. Wherefore is the same as therefore. Anytime you see uh, therefore, you got to think, what's that therefore, therefore? Because that's kind of spurring you on. It's making you think for a second. It's, it's a, have you ever seen those? I used to read them when I was at the police department. Those, were you guys in you county, what is it where it says wherefore on this day, blah, 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 blah. Resolution, thank you. I always think of them resolutions. They're hanging all over the police department. Those resolutions, I don't, are they really important? Or is it just some words to make somebody feel good? Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> it's, they always start out, wherefore? It's to catch your attention. It's to, to draw you back to that sentence. Wherefore? This is Jesus right here, or Peter's right here telling us to, to pay attention to this right here. He's telling us, wherefore? You've got to know, you've got to listen closely. Now, these, these five thoughts that we just talked about that are mentioned in this verse directly relate back to where, what I was preaching on or what we was preaching on last Sunday. It relates back to love. Talked about that a little bit last week. That love. When you see malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, evil speakings, do you see love in any of that? Nope. They ain't a drop of love in any of that. That's not good stuff. It's bad stuff. I want you to listen to this. We are to love one another with a pure heart. The very things that, that we are to lay aside are the things that taint our love. He says to, he's telling us to lay aside. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to change the Word of God, because, and I'm going to talk about that later, but we're not going to change the Word of God. But whenever you see the words lay aside, I want you to think of it as strip off. Lay aside or strip off. Back in those days when they would lay aside, and we've read it, there's other places in the Bible where it talks about laying aside. He would lay aside his garment. That's not just pull it to one side or the other. When it's saying lay aside, he was taking it off. So when we read this, it says, Wherefore laying aside all malice, I want you to think of it saying, Wherefore stripping off all malice and guile and all that other stuff. Take it away, take it off, put it aside. Get rid of it. Take it off. Wherefore, laying aside, that means to take things, these things and literally strip them off just like you would your clothes. We're to cleanse ourselves from all that defiles us. Wash it away. Or wash it away, however you want to say it. We are to wash it away. 
we're to cleanse ourselves. First, as believers, we have to strip off that malice. Now, malice means all kinds of evil, all kinds of evil stuff. It can mean just a few of them that I wrote down here, fornication, adultery, wickedness, covetousness, murder, hate, haters of God and his word. It could also mean deep-seated feelings against someone else. Not just deep-seated hatred for God, but it could be a hatred for, towards someone else. Somebody has done you wrong. Back in the first grade, somebody took your french fries, and you've hated them ever since. You can't let it go. That ain't right. Let it go. More than likely, in first grade, you wasn't saved anyway. You're saved now. Let it go. Forgive them. Go take them to McDonald's and buy them some fries. But let it go. It means well, ill will towards someone wishing that something bad would happen to that person. That's awful. That is terrible. That's, folks, that ain't Christ-like. You sitting here today and you thinking, I wish that person would, would just go on. And I, ain't, I don't mean go on as in just going down the road. I wish they wasn't here. Maybe I'd wish they'd lose their job or, or their car or whatever it is. If you have that in your heart, you need to get rid of that. That is not godly. It means that that person has turned their heart over to evil. If you have those thoughts, if you have thoughts about wanting something bad to happen to somebody else, that's evil thoughts. That's not allowing God to direct your path. That's allowing Satan to, to rule your life and direct your path. A person could care less if something bad happened to the other person. If, you, if something does happen to them and you have no remorse, you got some issues. I think you're probably missing Jesus right now if that ever happens. Now, this sounds harsh, but as believers, we are to lay aside or strip off malice in all its forms. All that malice, those sins... We're, we're, we're to get rid of them because if we are to be that image of God, if we are to be Christ-like everywhere we go, we can't have malice in our lives. We can't not have those sins, obvious sins. We can't just walk around and let the world see us as just a bunch of sinners and, and wallowed in that sin and being and showing that sin everywhere we go. We cannot be that person because that is not God-like. That is not Christ-like. So if we have malice in our lives, you need to strip it off. Or as Peter says, we've got to lay it aside. Get rid of it. Give it to God. Lay it at the altar. Secondly, believers have to strip off or lay aside their guile or their deceit. We don't talk about this one much. We can't purposefully deceive and mislead people. What do they call that? Crawfishing? Or cat, yeah, crawfishing. Where you deceive people, you go one way, and then you, you turn on them real fast. That's, that's deceitful. That's guile. That's what that means. We can't be like that. That's one of the things that Peter listed right here. Thirdly, believers have to strip off hypocrisies. The word means one who pretends, puts on a show, acts out something they are not. That's a hypocrite. That's an old theater term. A hypocrite is something, acting out, being something that you're not. We use that word a lot of times in church, uh, almost as a joke, sometimes calling people hypocrite. But there's a lot to that, a lot more to it than we really take serious. A person is a hypocrite when they act like they love and believe God, but they don't live 
like God tells them to live. A hypocrite might be somebody in these churches right now, and they get up and, and they'll sing, oh, how I love Jesus, and they'll, they'll be praising the Lord, and then they'll walk out of here, and the next thing that you see them, they're on Facebook at a bar. Or they got a, they got a spouse, or not a spouse, let's say they got a girlfriend or a boyfriend in another town. That's hypocrite. A person is a hypocrite when they pretend to be following God but are living like they want to live. They come in here and they quote, they'll come in a church and they'll quote Bible verses and, and they'll do all these other things so that the world thinks that they are followers of Jesus, but yet they're living the way they want to live and they're living in sin. That's a hypocrite. A person is a hypocrite when they show a concern for things of God, but their real concern is for things of this world. Again, they come into the churches and they talk about wanting to see church growth and, and do more for God here in the church. All this thing, all the things that, that they think would draw their attention, somebody's attention off of what's going on in their life. But yet, their real concerns is of the world. They're concerned about themselves and their finances and their lifestyle and all those things. That's a hypocrite. A person is a hypocrite when they profess to believe God's word but question it and add or take away from it. You can't do that. I'll be really quick to tell you that. You can't do that. You cannot add or take away from God's Word. You cannot compromise the Word of God. What it says is what it says. And you take it as it says. You can't add to it. You ain't going to take away from it. You can find other versions of Bibles out there that might fit your lifestyle. There's other versions out there that take the blood out. There's other versions that you can read that don't convict you. And I think that's what a lot of people like nowadays. They don't like to read and be convicted when they read it. They don't like to hear preaching when it's preached out of the King James here and, and it convicts hearts. There's nothing sugar-coated in my Bible. It is what it is. Some of those other versions will take out the blood. They will take out sin, and they'll emphasize love, and they'll emphasize all the good things. There's no conviction in the good things. I won't, I won't hear about hell. I want to hear about sin. I'm going to preach about sin and how hot the hell is because that's where the conviction falls in. That's when you know you're doing something wrong. That's when the Holy Spirit is in there eating you up. It's eating you alive and letting you know, I've got to change my ways. We need to hear that. Jesus severely warns hypocrites. If you go over in Matthew 23, I'm going to read a few of these. He lays it out there for them, for all of us. Believers have to strip off any hint of hypocrisy in their lives. Over Matthew 23, it starts at verse 14. Hypocrites shall receive the greater damnation. Hypocrites are children of hell. Hypocrites are fools and blind. Hypocrites are blind gods. Hypocrites are full of extortion and excess. Hypocrites are full of uncleanliness. Hypocrites are serpents and a generation of vipers. Hypocrites shall not escape the damnation of hell. As believers, we are warned to lay aside and have nothing to do with hypocrisy. We cannot be a hypocrite. We have to practice what we preach. That's what it boils down to. 
be what God has called you to be. Be Christ-like. As a Christian, be Christ-like. Don't be the hypocrite. Don't look and act one way here at the church or around your family and then be something else out in the world. Whatever you are here, be out there. Fourth, believers have to strip off envies. Now, this is a person that covets what someone else has. Anybody ever coveted anything? Anybody ever wanted a jacked-up Jeep because you drive a Subaru? That's covetousness. <laughs> Don't covet what your neighbor's got. That's, that's in the Bible. Just saying. <laughs> they want it so much that they, they, they want it, even if it means taking it. You don't you be stealing anybody's car. At least his car, anyway. Don't be stealing stuff. But don't want something so bad that you would just go to any extreme to get it. He's telling us here, we can't covet what our... And that's, that's, again, that's one of those, those commands, one of those laws that we're not to covet our neighbor's stuff. Not to want that. We might look at, at people and, and we might envy their money or their position or their looks or their social status, their possessions, their popularity... We might look at them and, and lock their closure, the authority that they might have, but we can't want that. That's covetousness. I mean, not everybody's going to look as good as Nat looks. We don't covet over Nat. <laughs> Mike might. I mean, he's, he's pretty close. We don't need to covet that stuff. That's against the Word of God. Fifth, believers have to strip off evil speakings. Now, this is the last part. Verse 1 right here. This means to criticize, judge, backbite, gossip, condemn, and grumble against another person. Good luck. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. That's tough. It's hard, especially for some people that have to work with difficult people sometimes. It's hard not to gripe and to grumble about someone and the way they do things, to criticize them or to judge them. It's hard. Tough. That's one of the toughest things we do as a Christian is try not to talk about somebody. But we've got to because that's what Peter calls evil speakings. That's talking about somebody. It means to talk about and to tear down another person. It means to spread false accusations about that person, starting rumors about them. Gossip about them. What happens when you start gossip? When you start the, that gossip mill, that rumor mill, it's just like that telephone game. You might say one thing to one person, but by the time it gets to the 10th or 12th person, it's blowed up. It's gotten really bad. That's part of evil speaking. These are a few things that we're to let go. Literally strip off. Lay aside those five things we talked about in chapter or verse 1 right here. We're to lay that aside. Strip it off. So we're told not to, to gratify the sinful nature, but live by the Spirit. And what that's talking about is over in Galatians where Paul's giving us the, the fruits of the Spirit. Instead of living in this sin that Peter's talking about, we need to go over here and look at what Paul's talking about, and we need to be living by the fruits of the Spirit, and that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, gentleness, goodness, faith, uh, meekness, temperance. That's what we have to have. So we need to replace the guile and the mouse all the bad stuff we've got to replace all that with the good stuff of the holy spirit lay it aside 
That's what it's telling us. Lay it aside and then take on the fruits of the Spirit. And now that we know what we shouldn't do to grow spiritually, we're going to look at what we should do. So number two, to grow spiritually, we have to crave the Word of God. Crave it. Hungry. Have you ever had a, a lull in, in a church where there hadn't been a revival for a while? I know there was a time where we didn't have revival um, over at, uh, at Willow Valley, which is kind of odd, but we didn't have it. And you talk about hungry, craving, ready for the word. For the past couple years, I think a lot more people have been craving the Word of God, even though, you know, we're, I think we're back to about as normal as we're going to get for a while. But there for a while, we got hungry. So we craved the Word of God, but we also craved fellowship. There was times where we couldn't see each other. We couldn't be around one another. We couldn't shake hands or bump elbows or give a hug or anything like that. We craved fellowship. But we also need to be craving the Word of God. Verse 2 here, here says, All newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. Now, that's, that's a command right here. The word desire means to crave or long for the Word of God. That's a strong word. That's a very strong word right there, to crave. It paints the picture of hungering and thirsting after the Word. Come in here on a Sunday morning and you need to be starved to death and just ready to just eat it up, sop it up just like you would your biscuit and your gravy. Just, just take it on and eat on it, gnaw on this thing, chew on it all week long. Take it on because you need to be craving it. This is not, when we come in church, this is not just tradition. This is not just something we do on Sundays. This is to come in and you belly up and you feed yourself. You belly up to the table and you're taking the Word of God and you're just, just devouring it, just eating it up as much as you can. If a believer is to grow, it's important that they hunger and thirst after the milk of the Word. If you want to grow, you're going to want to be here. If you want to grow spiritually and grow in the Word of God, you're going to crave it and you're going to want to be here. And listen, and take notes, and then go when to do. Too many people use, uh, too many of us crave the Word here and there, they, they crave it sporadically. Once or twice a week, they'll crave it. This is the best way I can explain the Word of God to you. You ever been, they don't do it anymore, I don't think. You ever been in a grocery store and they have the little samples? You know, have little pieces of cheese. You got a little toothpick in it. All right, too many people right now take the Word of God as a sample platter. And they go and they get one or two little pieces here and there and try to get full. The Word of God is a never-ending buffet. All you can eat, buffet. And you can go and get as much as you want anytime you want it. There's no time limit, no time frame. There's no limit to how much you can get i mean it is all you can eat i think of like cousin eddie when he's at the the buffet he's getting some of that blue stuff and he's throwing it over in his sack he's getting all he can some of y'all know what i'm talking about <laughs> just get all you can get 
carry it around with you. Put it right here in your heart. Take it with you everywhere that you go. That's what the Word of God is. A never-ending, endless buffet. Growth can only come when we live in the Word of God day by day. Not weekly. Not a couple times a year at Easter at Christmas. But day by day. Now the word sincere right here means pure, unmixed with anything else. You can't add to it and you can't take away from it. Pure. Now the word milk usually refers to the food needed by immature believers in the Bible, but this is not the case in this verse right here. I've had to do a little bit of research on this one. A difference is not being made between believers. We need it. We all need it. It doesn't matter if you were saved yesterday or you were saved 70 years ago. We all have got to be nurtured. We all need the milk of life. We need the bread. We need the word. We all need it no matter how long we've been saved, no matter how long we've been a Christian. We have all got to be fed all the time. All believers are seen as needing to grow and need to learn about God. All believers need to be have that desire. I mean... Think about when you were saved and that desire that you had when you was first saved and how you wanted to be more active in church and you wanted to be at every activity and you wanted to sit and you wanted to hear as much preaching as possible. That's that desire. That's what we want. That's that craving that we had. But sometimes we tend to let that go. We need to get back to that desire, to that craving that we had when we was first saved, to where we want to get more. We want to hear more. We want to get just as much information as possible. We want to hear more about God and His love for each one of us. We're going to want to hear that, that craving that we have. We need to go back to that. Third thing, once we experience true spiritual growth, it should make you hungry for more. It's going to make you want more. Verse 3 says, If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. God feeds us. He nourishes us. He nurtures us. He reveals and feeds our souls. He does, just like I said earlier, what we do for Clayton. We feed him, or any youngin, because he can't do it himself. So we do it for him. We feed him and we nourish him and we we take care of him because he can't do it on his own. We can't take care of ourselves on our own either. Spiritually, we struggle. If it was left up to us, we couldn't make it. But through salvation, when we gain the Holy Spirit, that helps us. And with having God as our Heavenly Father, he's going to keep on feeding us and nourishing us and taking care of us, nurturing us. He teaches us how to live pure and clean lives. Again, you, you don't get that if you're not reading this. This is where we're going to get our instruction on how to live. And he's telling us to live a pure and clean life. He teaches us how to walk through the trials in this life, through the Word. We follow His Word, and it's going to help us get through these trials in our lives. He teaches us about that great salvation through his word. We forget a lot of things. When we don't get in the word of God, if we don't read it daily, at least try to read it daily, we forget a lot of things. We forget. We don't talk about 
what Keith was, was teaching on this morning, we don't talk about Judas. I was reading while he was talk, talking earlier, I was reading the very first part of that. And what the writer said in that book was, how many people do you know that are named Judas? Did you read that part? That was the question the writer asked. How many people do you know that are named Judas? None. I know that when me and Maria was trying to figure out Clayton's name, that never was an option. Judas, I don't, even Paisley didn't come up with that, did you? Okay. That's not one that we talk about that often. We just don't, we don't talk about Judas that often. But we need to talk about Judas a little more. I asked Keith, I said, do you, do you know if there's a study guide or something where we might be able to once we get done with uh, our Wednesday night stuff where we could look at Judas for a few weeks? He fascinates me. Just the relationship that he had with Jesus and what he done. Anyway, I'll get on the soapbox there. We need to be studying a lot more because we get hung up on certain things and we forget about the other great things that are in the Word of God. He teaches about himself and Jesus and the glorious hope that each one of us has with him as our Lord and Savior and how we're going to live for him, with him forever. We forget a lot about these things because we're, we don't crave it anymore. We just we get topped off on a Sunday sometimes and then just let that hold us over till the next Sunday. We need to be in it daily. God just takes his word and feeds us. God just takes his word right here and he, he nourishes us. When we're hungry, he will feed us. If you want a sandwich, what do you have to do to get the bread out? You have to open it, don't you? You can't just sit there and stare at that loaf of bread and hope that the twist tile would finally come off. You got to put a little work into it. Hopefully you're turning it the right way and not tying it in a knot, make it hard to get it out. You put a little work into opening up that loaf of bread to make your sandwich. Put a little effort and a little work into opening up the Word of God so that it can feed you and that it can nourish you. Sometimes it's like a jar of pickles. Sometimes it can be hard to open up. Maybe you're convicted. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you're at your lowest point and you're afraid if you open that thing up that you're going to see some truth and you just don't want to open it up. It can be, this, this right here, it can be hard just to do this right here sometimes. Just like opening up a jar of pickles. But once you break it open, oh, how sweet it is. You get that nice juicy dill pickle out and you bite down on that thing and that's the best thing you had in a long time. You open up the Word, and you bear down on what He has to feed you. That will be the best thing that you ever put in your mouth. It's the best thing that's ever been in your heart, the Word of God. Stand with me. We're going to close out. I'm going to ask you a really serious question. What are you craving? Now, when I say that, I think most of y'all are probably saying, well, he's craving gravy because that's all he talks about every Sunday. But what are you craving? Not a steak, I'm sure. Maybe a hamburger. I'm craving anything red meat-wise right now. What are you craving? 
What what are you missing in your life? What spiritually are you craving? A deeper relationship with God? Maybe. I think a lot of us probably could use a little bit more of that. What are you craving? It's a good question. Go feed yourself. Go feed yourself. Get the word. Belly up to that table with God. And feed yourself. You'd be surprised what you're missing. You'd be surprised what will satisfy you when you open that up. Keith, will you dismiss us, please? All right, we'll see you Wednesday.